0: Lucky Shot brings you this episode of the QA. It is the end of the month, which means it is time for the QA. This is the November 2021 edition. And boy, am I cutting it to the wire. That is the last day of November. And I cannot believe how fast this month has gone by. Um, hope you guys are doing well. I wish you a happy holiday season. As you can see, yes, we do already have the tree up. We put our tree up uh, just before Thanksgiving, technically. My kids love Christmas. They still uh, enjoy the Christmas spirit. so. We decided to decorate a little early this year and uh, try to enjoy the holidays a little bit more with some friends, family, loved ones. And obviously with uh, the Corona thing going on, that's changing a lot of dynamics for families across everywhere. So I hope you're still able to spend time with uh, those that you care about. And I hope you guys are doing well this holiday season. And uh, regardless of what's going on in the news or with COVID or with whatever, I do wish you happiness and health. And I hope all things are going good. I was gonna start this episode off with like a Thanksgiving dad joke. and. Uh, Truth be told, I just couldn't find one that I thought was bad or funny enough. So if you have a good Thanksgiving dad joke, go ahead and leave it in the comment section below. My name is Dave Tim from Guns and Tactics. Thank you very much for checking out this episode of the QA. This is the show where we answer your questions. So at the end of the month, you submit your questions throughout the month and I answer them plus one lucky question asker gets a prize from Lucky Shot. That being said, if you wanna see your question get on the show, the best way is to email us. The email address is shown below. That is the QA at gunsandtactics.com. You can certainly leave comments, but the email works best just because I can make sure it gets into the inbox and uh, we can get your question on the show. All right, let's get rocking and rolling. Uh, A few comments, posts, things like that, that were very nice. I do appreciate all the kind words. Uh, I know this isn't our most viewed series. Uh, Generally, we average about a thousand views, which. In the grand scheme of things isn't very much but it sure seems like the people that do watch it enjoy it so i'm happy to do it for you guys and uh, yes we are inside uh, for those of you guys that don't know uh, not only has the month gone by super quick with work uh, we had some COVID stuff in extended family nearby family stuff like that i also do some install videos for a couple of uh, industry companies and my shop has basically been taken over for that uh, i had a raid crash on me so i lost a bunch of stuff on my computer and now I'm waiting for hard drives to rebuild my raid of course they're stuck somewhere in a shipping container because they've been on back order so it's even tough for me to edit stuff but I do have content I have reviews coming uh, review of the voodoo 360 review of the Macmillan u1 the terminus uh, and I know I've got other stuff on the list too but those are just what I'm thinking of in the top of my top of my head but I do have a lot of content coming out so December January you'll probably hopefully my hard drives arrive you'll probably start to see more content trickle out and uh, we have some good first look videos as well Arisaka has some new stuff contour holster um yeah I got I got some good stuff that I just got to finally get edited once I get that raid back up and running so I appreciate your patience hope all is well and uh yeah we will we'll get right into it question number one this is from Derek my question is he bought two 45 degree mounts and switch my front and rear sight to 45. What range should I set my irons at? He has his Vortex Spark at 100. If the 100 yard zero works for you, you can certainly zero your irons at 100 yards, then you know that it's consistent. And for those of you guys that don't know, uh, a 45 degree offset is if we had our AR here, our sight is at 12 o'clock, the offset sights would be just that, off to the side. So if that primary day optic goes down, you just rotate the gun and now your sights are right there. Primarily, I use those offset red dot mounts when I have an LPVO or a low power variable optic, which is a a favorite optic of mine. And then I'll use the Arasaka offset optic mount, which you can check out my video of the Arasaka mount right up there. But that mount works awesome. If you're at high magnification, and then all of a sudden you're transitioning to a close target, you just rotate the gun red dot. The other nice thing with an LPVO and night vision is that if we were using like, let's just say a, a laser, with, we're not gonna use the LPVO with our night vision goggles or uh, monoculars or you know, whatever terms you wanna use, but let's just say that laser for whatever reason uh, doesn't work for the situation, it stops working or whatever, now I can rotate and I can also then use that red dot as an aiming device with night vision. So that's just another plus to have an offset red dot. Now he's talking about irons, but some of the pluses still apply, but I would definitely check that out. But uh, for me personally, I zero my red dots either 12 o'clock or my 50, or excuse me, or my 45 degree offset red dots, I zero them at 50 yards. That's just what works for me. But uh, do what works for you. If the 100 works, then that's just fine. But uh, I find a 50 yard zero works good. I have access to a 50 yard indoor range virtually year round all the time. So that's just a known variable for me. No matter if I know I'm going to be traveling or whatever, I know I can get to that 50 yard range and get that good zero. And then I know my ballistic data on my rifles so I can confidently, you know, make hits based on holds out to three, 400 yards, depending on the gun and obviously the scope and things like that. So yeah, good question. All right. This one is from Paul. Really like the QA. Thank you very much. I appreciate that. Uh, one particular Article that he came across said that there are only a few manufacturers actually making them, referring to upper and lowers. Question for you, is this true? No, it is not true. We'll talk about that in a second. And if it is true, why is there a large variation in price points from name brand companies that don't understand? Can you explain the difference between low and high priced uppers and lowers? Is there really a big difference? And yes, there really can be. So I was thinking about this before we did, when I you know, started filming this. And when I used to work for a, uh, a company, Uh, A sporting goods store up here had their own line of rifles and we were meeting with manufacturers and blah, 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 and kind of started my quest. Uh, I personally, personally, just me, went to, it was probably in, just in Minnesota, keep in mind, five, maybe six machine shops. I was trying to to list them all. Uh, Just in Minnesota that were machining lower receivers. Okay. And that's, five for sure that i could name right now just in minnesota's that were cutting lower receivers machining lower receivers here's the misconception the forgings okay the actual forgings are only made by a few houses but the forge is basically just the exterior and it's a solid hunk of aluminum that is the shape the outside shape of let's just talk about lower receivers for now but the upper receiver kind of same things apply Although I would argue that the upper receiver in some ways is even more easy to screw up for machining. But uh, the lower receiver, it's a forging for forge lowers. Billet's a whole other topic, but you can check out my billet versus forge video up there. But the forging comes from a few different houses. There's probably half a dozen, let's just say, uh, of places that make these forgings. But that's just the forging, the machining. How do they cut the mag well? Are they wire EDM cut? Are they machined? Are they broached? How do they machine the pocket? How do they drill the holes? Do they drill the holes or do they drill and then ream the holes? How are they cutting the threads? What tolerances are they holding to all the machine cuts to? How are they refinishing this? All of those things make a huge difference from brand A to B all the way to Z. And there are a ton of brands out there. Now, yes, there are some large companies Uh, take aero precision for example they do oeming for a lot of different companies so they make receivers for their own brand and yes they do make receivers for a ton of other brands by putting their logos however there are a bunch of machine shops like i said some of the ones i visited in minnesota that do that as well and they have different quality checks depending on what that customer is willing to pay so it is absolutely not true that there are only a few companies making lower receivers for everybody there are a few companies that make the forgings but then there are a ton of machine shops that are machining lower receivers the quality of tooling that they're using how often are they changing their tooling how often are they actually checking their cuts their quality control their quality assurance how are they making those cuts how are they making those holes are they actually pin gauging every hole are they making sure the locations because within this blueprint are tolerances, which means this hole can be supposed to be this size plus or minus two or three thousandths and supposed to be in this position plus or minus two or three thousandths. Well, the problem is if this hole is two or three thousandths this way and this hole is two or three thousandths this way, now the holes are four thousandths off and those tolerance stacking issues start to become more apparent and more of a problem. So uh, stick to good quality brands. Right now, my favorite forged receiver sets are from companies such as bravo company with their mark ii upper which is really tough to find but their forged lowers are arguably some of the nicest forged lowers on the market right now jp makes really good stuff i'm a big fan of jp um there's a few things that i wish jp would do to just even make their forged lowers just a little bit better but that's minor okay uh centurion um rainier makes really good stuff their oem is good quality stuff uh the old mega stuff if you can find good mega stuff and even the zev stuff that's now the new mega i'm hearing good things about although i don't have hands on the new zev but uh, those are just some ones off the top of my head Uh, sons of liberty Gunwork, hodge you know those again are all good stuff as well so just a few right off the top of my head just to name i'm sure there's more i could think of but good question all right this one is from steven in the process of building a six arc in the ar but i don't know uh if the buffer tube is okay being the same as the one I'm using for a 223. Yeah, you can probably use the same lower receiver with the receiver extension, AKA buffer tube. Just check with the company that's making your barrel. Say, hey, what's the optimal spring, optimal buffer weight for them, you know, their recommendation, what their uh, recommendation is for you to use, and you should be just fine. They might tell you, hey, we recommend an adjustable gas block or hey, we recommend a this length gas system. If you're gonna be buying this barrel or, you know, whatever, they'll probably guide you through it. But yeah, carbine buffer tube, I'm guessing is what you have. You'll probably be just fine. All right, this one is not a question. This is from uh, Dave from Lee's Summit. Uh, I want to be entered in the monthly giveaway. I have very much enjoyed your reviews and informative videos. First off, thank you for the kind words and thank you for watching. However, in order to be submitted to the QA, you have to ask a question. So you have to ask a question, then you can get lucky chance to win. But as of right now, unfortunately, you're not entered because you didn't answer a question, but I do appreciate you viewing. All right, Uh, before we get into Kevin's questions, I am going to take a little bit of a break and thank our sponsor, Lucky Shot. Lucky Shot makes a lot of unique gifts for the firearms or shooting enthusiast in your life or maybe something for yourself. With the holidays coming up, use this coupon code that we're going to show on screen to save yourself a little bit of money for your next order from Lucky Shot and pick up some unique glassware with bullets that are actually safe and a conversation piece. Very unique and fun to use. Great thing to have at a party or maybe you just want one of their other fine gifts for yourself or a loved one in your life who would enjoy such cool things check out their webpage use the coupon code save yourself a little bit of money and we appreciate lucky shot for sponsoring this episode of the qa all right this next series of questions is from kevin uh kevin always sends in a lot of good stuff for us to talk about so i do appreciate that what are some tips or tricks to make sure that the gas key on an ar Uh, bolt is aligned properly straight when doing field repairs. Unfortunately, when doing field repairs, the gas key, you can't really uh, change it because it should be bolted and staked in place. So honestly, it's just gonna be, if it's functioning or is it not? I do not recommend sticking anything down the key through the carrier. That's just asking for something to break off in there or whatever, so don't do that. Um, Some people do use air. I know that they'll use a little bit of compressed air just to make sure air is passing through. That's okay, just be very careful, make sure nothing gets caught gunk in there or whatever. But then it's more or less going to be uh, making sure that Obviously the carrier key is not loose. So if you're holding the carrier and you're holding the key, you know, are, do you feel any movement or uh, clicking or a looseness or anything like that, making sure that the staking is still holding the screws, it's still tight. Um, so there's really not a way to verify alignment per se. If it's a good quality machine part, it should be in alignment. The staking should hold, the torque should hold. So unfortunately that uh, there's that. Uh, gas key and tube alignment are so common. Yeah, they are and unfortunately a lot of times it's uh the gas block that was installed improperly or maybe a barrel nut depending on the style of barrel nut that's causing that gas tube in the receiver to go at a different angle so again looking at that through the upper making sure it's straight and then when you're doing your function check making sure that when the carrier goes into the receiver that the mouth of the key accepts the gas tube and there's no obvious you know having that tube having to bend or anything like that to uh, go into the key if that makes sense maybe we can do We'll probably do to maybe do like an updated inspection or function check AR video I'll probably add that to the list. That'd be a good winter topic too, cause I could do that inside. So good, good idea. I'm actually gonna make a note of that video idea. All right, is it recommended to just upgrade the extractor springs to the gold? or should 20 inch rifles use the original spring and blue buffer? Um, Personally for me, I like extractor tension. So generally all of my ARs, whether they're using a rifle length, gas system, carbine, whatever, uh, is I'll generally put a uh, upgraded black buffer with an O-ring. And then I use, uh, I wanna say, they're the Colt OEM five coil spring. I have to find the part number. I'm trying to remember. Uh, They might, I, I get them from Brownells. Uh, but they're a good quality extractor spring. They work really well, again, insert, o-ring. I buy the o-rings in bulk, so I have like a bag of 200 of them or something, so I pretty much put them in all my ARs. The quality gun shops fine tune shotguns for the user. Are there any special tips that are available to help fit an AR to the user? Uh, And then you sent another question about kind of sight height, so I'm gonna maybe save this one for that. Uh, the 330 seconds bolt catch on an AR can be tricky for home builders. Is there a fixture with a bent slave pin, uh, is that a tool? So here's what I do. I take one of my wooden swabs and I use it as a slave pin. So I'll put the bolt catch in with everything. I'll take my little piece of wooden uh, swab or a toothpick or whatever, kind of hold it in place. And then I use the Brownells roll pin punch that's designed for that. It's basically a roll pin punch and it has kind of a machined cutout, if you will, to match the curves of the receiver and then i use that to put the bolt uh, excuse me to push the roll pin in place and that works really good and a little drop of oil on the roll pin makes it go in nice and smooth and then it pushes that toothpick or that swab uh, shaft if you will a slave pin out and goes right through there it's actually super simple so that's my little trick for that there are a few police armor classes but are there any nationally known ar armor classes that teach how to build maintain modify troubleshoot in non-police ars Um, I know School of the American Rifle, uh, he's doing on-location classes. Uh, I know (sighs) Psionics was doing some classes. Uh, And I don't know if they're doing local stuff, but I believe they were traveling a little bit. Uh, Will, who was doing some of their stuff, passed away a few years ago, so unfortunately that's not an option. Sully from the Defensive Edge is doing a good job, and I believe he's still traveling. Uh, so he does a good job he's actually a minnesota-based guy but he travels around the country doing ar armors classes colt was doing a school but a lot of that was le only and i'm not aware of others uh, off the top of my head but i don't know maybe i should uh, teach an ar armors class i feel like (laughs) i feel like i just uh, need one more thing to add to my plate right but that would be kind of fun and it's something i've talked about doing but it's uh something that i have not taken on or got set up but i've talked about it because there's a lot of things that i still feel like there's a missing in armorers classes that should be covered, particularly, well, things that I've talked about in my videos and things that I've made videos about, but that's a good question. I'll do some homework and see if I can find any other classes, go from there, get uh, better better info for you. Number six, as an instructor, what types of advice is out there to help bring struggling students when it comes to using firearms without blatantly uh, failing them or pencil whipping them a uh, passing grace? I like that term, I've never heard that before. Uh, You know, the instructor, development one is probably a tougher topic to go into in just a few minutes here as far as struggling students uh, part of it you should have an instructor who wants to mentor them and gives them tools to work on so there's a lot of things that you can gain as a student with dry fire with a cert gun with a, uh, a training rig even an airsoft gun or whatever there's a lot of practice but a good instructor should be giving them the tools to try to better them to do some of those things on their own. Then once we get to the range, we have hopefully some of the foundation from dry fire and prep training to then add onto that recoil management, tracking, things like that, that can only be really practiced with live fire. Uh, Now there are certain things that you can gain with dry fire. I mean, people have transitioned from airsoft, for example, to real steel shooting guns and done really, really well. We just now have to teach them recoil management, things like that. Same thing with uh, rimfire shooters. Uh, people that were shooting like steel challenge with rimfire and they transitioned to center fire guns They're just obviously uh, a learning curve, but they have a lot of the foundation or the base down. So that's uh, yeah, that would, maybe another topic, but uh, That probably we need to get into a little bit more than what we're going to do here to try to keep this video in a reasonable You know size length uh, What types of pre-class Inspections or silent safety checks are done on the ar to make sure that injuries do not happen, especially at uh once verifies there's zero uh learn the hard way and utm rounds have been yeah um, so um i i go over function checks in my classes we talk about the motion and movement check we talk about the fire controls the safety checks things like that and then anytime you're shooting utm which for those of you guys that don't know is like force on force uh uses little i believe it's technically like a wax or a soap and then it's a marking round to do force on force simulations. So it has a dedicated bolt carrier that can't fire live ammunition. And then you uh, shoot these marking rounds uh, for scenarios. And anytime you're shooting those, the gun should be taken out of service and cleaned and inspected because those marking rounds love to get plastic caught in various ports and nooks and crannies and things like that. So definitely anytime you're using UTM or have dedicated UTM guns is even a better practice. Uh, And with, honestly, when parts were cheap, uh, I know a few agencies that bought just cheap poverty guns, or if they get guns that are marked for destruction uh, or seized guns, things like that, turning them into dedicated marking rounds, uh, guns was, would it be a best practice. And then uh, this one is, what things can be done to help build back the confidence of a student that has suffered a bad experience uh, from an instructor? They're filled with uh, self-doubt and uh, kind of beat down a little bit. Yeah, absolutely they are. And Ultimately, it does have to start with the student that they want to try to go back. They want to go there So that's kind of their first step but then hopefully having an instructor who really pushes them to take that first step and just Kind of basic human stuff, you know treat them with respect Try to develop rapport build a good relationship find some common ground and then be encouraging mentoring and supportive so those are best things as an instructor you can do and in my opinion Gone to a lot of instructor development classes. We talk about it in mine, about some of those basic human side of things. However, adult learning, sometimes we forget that that human connection is still a really legit part of it. All right, this one is, last one, uh, regarding M-lock fasteners. Uh, Do I prefer the T nut fasteners or I think you, or distorted nuts, um, thread locker, torque, things like that. I prefer the T's because when it works properly, the T nut basically is supposed to go into the slot. And then as you start to you know, talk about it like that, go into the slot. And then when you tighten it, it has rounded corners that then are allowed to cam into the locked position. And then as you are tightening the fastener, it holds that T nut against. And when the system works, it works pretty good. Uh, is it perfect? No. And can it be frustrating at time? Yes. Now Magpul has a spec that's relatively open source that they'll share it with people so long as you agree to use that however there are different companies making those t-nuts and the tolerances i've seen are all over the place i used to collect a few of them where i have undersized t-nuts oversized t-nuts and it, yeah it was just a pain uh, when it comes to screws i take the pre-applied thread locker that they apply i clean that off and i use loctite 243 i degrease loctite 243 and generally i don't have any issues assuming that using quality t-nuts things like that uh but yeah that maybe we can get into another episode on on that but uh the reality is clean that 243 using good quality t-nuts they shouldn't have an issue uh with the plastic you know like hand guards stuff like that obviously you have to make sure you don't over tighten so it doesn't distort and doesn't uh damage the plastic people like to over tighten that kind of stuff and you have to realize if you're mounting stuff via m-lock to an m-lock hand guard uh, let's just say a mo handguard. you have to be realistic of what you're mounting, okay? The plastic can only hold so much strength and rigidity and you have to be realistic and uh, have a good expectation. So a vertical grip, maybe a light mount, something like that, and you don't have to tor- over torque it and break it. And then uh, this other question that kind of loops back to one does it make sense to use cheek risers, adjustable height red dot mounts, uh, to, you know, basically get the AR to fit better? Yes. Shotgunners have this figured out, but the AR market is kind of behind. And absolutely. If you have the option where you can customize that gun for you, get a stock that fits, get a grip angle that works for you, a hand guard and a foregrip or support grip, whatever that's comfortable for you. And then once you get that, have a good appropriate optic mount. Absolutely. You should do that. Now in the, industry or law enforcement community we have pool guns where it's a one size fits all with the exception of maybe a stock it's a little tougher and then you have to look at maybe some different techniques of where you place the stock on your chest versus your shoulder to kind of keep your head more upright to align with that sight or go from there with technique as far as uh, your angle stuff like that Uh, but yes if you have the opportunity to make your gear work for you 100% do that whether it's ambi safety controls ambi mag release charging handles whatever for left-handed right-handed if you can make the equipment work better for you i'm 100 percent a firm believer in doing that and then uh if you want to send a christmas card yeah PO box is just fine if you need it let me know otherwise uh, it's on the web page um my training web page i'm pretty not hard to find, you can send a, something in a P.O. box, that'd be awesome. And then maybe we'll open it on the December episode of the QA, we'll have kind of a mail call. I know Bob uh, has sent uh, pineapple Fanta in the past, which is super appreciated. My kids love it, I love it. Uh, so I do have some very generous and thoughtful viewers and I really do appreciate that for you from you guys. Uh, patches as well. Um, I do love collecting patches from viewers or students, people that I've trained with or people that appreciate the content. I do have a special patch board of agency and cop patches and stuff like that, uh, that I keep off camera uh, because i know some agencies are a little more sensitive to that stuff but that kind of stuff does really mean a lot to me all right and the last question is from art i owe you a prize yes uh like i said things have been super busy but yes i'm gonna get caught up on prizes make sure i got everybody's address and stuff love hearing your thoughts uh so Flavor of the month for me is a longish distance bolt gun. I have uh, you hear how great the 6.5 is, but 308 is still a viable option. Also with the advent of 1 to 10s, uh, is the 3 to 9 irrelevant? Possible LPVO recommendations. Yeah, uh, I, I do think the 3 by 9 is kind of on its way out. I even think with the 2 to 10 scopes really picking up, obviously a 1 to 8, 1 to 10, uh, really kind of covering that. I I do think that the the old three to nine is probably a retiring piece or an aging. Let's just say it's aging, okay? Very 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 quickly Uh, to the point where for my hunting rifle, I'm probably going to buy like a two and a half to twelve or something like that, two to ten, something you know whatever. Uh, I have a one to eight that I just got to check out that actually looks really nice, uh, that is done really a lot of things really well. So I think something like that could work out. But uh, as far as price points, um, the Adabal 1 to 10 is about the entry level 1 to 10. The high end would either be a March or a Vortex 1 to 10, but now you're talking two grand. Uh, and the Adabal, uh, it's, it, it's not as nice as the Vortex. I'll be up front there. The glass isn't bad, um, but the turrets were a little mushy. The reticle, I didn't like as much, but obviously there's a, a significant price point. Now, as far as usability, the Adabal 1 to 10, still very good solid and I would have no problem uh, using it. Now, some people have reported tracking issues. I, My sample tracked just fine on my test target, but I know other people have reported you know, a concern with that. And it's a Chinese made scope, I believe. It's a foreign scope. I, I can't remember if it's Chinese or Philippines, I'll have to double check. Uh, whereas like the Vortex is Japan, light optical works. So there is quality differences, but again, there's also huge price differences as well. Uh, now, as far as one to eights, Again, uh, all sorts of different prices. We can maybe kind of go over something, but if you kind of give me an idea of budget, that would probably help me do that. And then as far as your other question, uh, 308 still viable for sure. 308 is still viable. Yes, you're gonna have more recoil, but barrel life is gonna be better. Ammunition availability. Uh, it depends on your market, but generally 308 is not hard to find and it's not super expensive. So 308 is still a great round and I would not have zero hesitations using it out to 500 yards. No problem, whatever. Uh, don't, don't worry about that. All right, so that brings us up to the prize. I'm going to go ahead and post the rules on the screen. Check those out. We do give away a prize. Again, thanks to Lucky Shot for supplying the prize and let's go ahead and pick our winner random number generator is going to be number two if you guys can see that which is go back up number two is paul so paul we will be getting in touch and we will get you a prize from lucky shot again if you guys want to see your question on the show the best way is to email us that email address is shown below the qa at guns and tactics Com. Hope your Thanksgiving holiday went well, hope your upcoming holidays are going great. I will see you after Christmas before the new year at the end of December for the next episode of the QA, wishing you a safe and happy holiday season. Thank you very much for watching, and have a great day. We work really hard to make content that we hope you as a shooter would enjoy. Subscribe to our channel, check out our featured videos and playlists, and if you have a question firearms related, go ahead and send an email to the address shown on the screen to be entered into our monthly QA series.